What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight. We're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, joining you once again, Caleb Pearson, and with me, Miss Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. 2021 going okay for you amidst the circumstances. What's it's, what's it been like? Yeah, it's off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, in my little world, in the big world, not so much, but right, right, <laughs> in absolutely. My world, it's good. Yeah, nicer weather today. Certainly not as cold and bitter as it could be. Yes. You see him here on video. He's back, senior pastor Mark Carey. Mark, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Good, yep. good, good to see you. Instead of the shape I'm in. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, Guys, let's go ahead and jump right into a Sunday in review. Uh, looking back on this past weekend, um, we had a mask-only service. Uh, I think for the first time officially a mask-only service during the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, I was downstairs teaching with the youth. You were in attendance? I was there, okay. yes. And it was it was so great to be back in the building because uh, it has been since March, essentially. You guys have been s- yes. staying clear, yeah. Yes. So... Um, Really, really thankful. It was good to be with people and uh, just to sing and worship together in yeah. community. Yeah, so that's awesome. It was special. Awesome. Heard a lot of good comments uh, and appreciation from folks. First time back, you know, first time back, but we're so glad we're here. And yeah. Good. So, yeah. yeah. And so that's the plan moving forward until X date. Yeah. Right? The mask yeah. only nine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But... All right, guys. Well, uh, Romans 8. Um, we're, we're back in Romans after, you know, obviously the Christmas season kind of took us away for a few weeks. Um, talking through uh, verses 31 through 39 primarily. Uh, Alicia, I'll come your way first. What were some takeaways from the sermon? And then Pastor Mark, I'll, I'll come to you, see if there's anything kind of left on, on the cutting room floor, uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. So perspective changes everything. It affects everything. And in this passage, in verses 31 through 39, Paul, he's finalizing his case from starting in chapter one all the way through chapter eight. And he's uh, presenting some really challenging questions for us. And he's he starts in verse 31. What shall we say to these things? And uh, Pastor Mark, you gave us a hope-filled perspective of life. Uh, and it's ours because of one, our relation to God, two, our relation to Christ, and three, our relation to circumstances. And um, so you unpacked that and took us through those challenging questions and helped us to see how we are to respond to that. And uh, we have so much hope because of just what is truth right here for us to get a hold of. Mm and apply to our lives. That's good. And, and I like the way we, we really unpack, though, what are these things we're talking about? Mark, you mentioned the, the immediate context, but then also the greater picture of Romans, because it's very easy to hone in on the, okay, if God is for us, who is against us? You know, that can be your battle cry. You go out, and it, it's not unlike when we take Philippians 4.13. Oh, I can go do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever I want to do, I can do it through Christ. Like, well, no. Uh what What is it actually referring to and, and kind of being able to have that greater picture of in the face of these things, the preposition of the two you kind of unpacked, I, I just thought that was that was good. Pastor Mark, was there anything that you were like, man, I wish I could elaborate on, or, or, or are you having a hard time pacing yourself through this stuff, or do you feel like it's—what's that process been well, for you? Well, yeah, there's always um, so much more that could be said and maybe should be said, but um, limited uh, timing, I think. The 
I, I would like to hone in a little bit more on the these on those these things, mm-hmm. especially in verse thirty-two when he comes back to that idea when he says he did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? And um, two, a couple of things. One is how will he not also with him with Christ, like. Okay, so what is he giving Christ that we get with him? And I didn't really unpack that at all. Uh, and and what is what is the f- the free grace, the free gift of of these things? And and what you just had a hermeneutics class from yeah. Grace School of Theology, and you, of course one of the questions is what was the authorial intent when sure. Paul wrote that down? What did he intend it to mean? What what was his meaning? And um, uh, of course, that's that's where the hard work of Bible study comes in, and you got to wrestle with that. Mm. Here, here, here is what I would I would have built more into. I alluded to it or mentioned it, but I think I would would build more into it if I had time. I I have I've been teaching over the course of these Romans five, six, seven, and eight that section of Romans that every believer is. Um, our struggle comes because we are our, our internal selves are encased in a body of sin. So if you go back to um, uh, the, the number of times that Paul addresses this issue of, of sin, verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that, so our our old self, that old internal me that was united with Adam, our sin nature, is is crucified so that the body of sin might be rendered neutralized. Well, that ought to tip us off right away. What's this body of sin and and, and how, how does that, you know, get rendered inoperative um, so that we no longer slaves to sin? Oh, so I, as a believer, could still be enslaved to sin if I don't understand these principles. And this is all. This is what Paul is addressing. This is the section on Romans that is on sanctification, how to live righteously, having been once declared righteous, justification. Hmm. How do we live righteously? Sanctification. sanctification. That's right. And it all comes down to how we understand this uh, this internal me and what we are to do encased in this body of sin. So there's one place of it, verse 12 of chapter 6, he talked about, remember, therefore do not let sin reign where? In your dying body, in your mortal body, that you obey its lusts. And he goes on in 13, don't present, stop presenting the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness. Uh, verse 19, he talks about, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Um, uh, th- that we're to present the members as slaves to righteousness. Or in chapter 7, verse 5, he talks about, uh, for while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions were aroused by the law, were at work where? In the members of our body, bearing fruit to death. Or verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. Um, he says, repeats that in verse 18, the flesh, and of course, verse 23 of Romans 7, I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind. 
a wretched man that I am, who will set me free from what? The body of sin. So he, he goes on all through there, um, chapter 8, verse 11. Um, he talks about if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. There's, there's, so, so while we are living in this world, our struggle in this world and the hindrance to sanctification and, and us living out in our condition, what we are by our position in Christ, comes down to we've got something that is happening in this mortal body. There is indwelling sin mm -hmm. that somehow that, that there's this battle. Mm -hmm. um, so Paul kind of keeps developing that. You go on to chapter 8, and he talks about in verse 23 that just like all of creation is groaning, verse 23 says, uh, not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we groan within ourselves. Why? Waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. That is our hope. So I think what Paul is piecing together in all of this is that there is, Jesus Christ has secured something for us. Um, in his death and in his resurrection, we have hope that we one day will be conformed in the image of Christ. That's what he says at the end of chapter 8 in verse uh, 29 and 30, when he says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed mm -hmm. to the image of his son. W what did Paul mean by that? I think he meant a resurrected body. Uh, that, is, that is God's predetermined plan. We will one day um, be conformed in the image of his son um, so that we would be, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Meaning that, that concept of the firstborn is the, mm -hmm. the one who's been raised from the dead. And we will experience that one day. That is our hope. He had said earlier, hope that is seen is not hope. We hope for things that we do not see. And we wait eagerly for this. Uh, you, you, you tie that back in with Paul's angst and agony. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this? Well, we've got hope. We've got hope that one day we're going to be conformed in the image of Christ, and um, this body of sin will be put off, and we will be raised to newness of life in Christ. Uh, what shall we say to these things then? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he now also with us, with him, with Christ, what what did what did Christ receive? He died and he rose again to newness. You know that, and we will like him be conformed into his image, and he will give us all things. We will be one day totally set free from this body of sin. We will be totally set free from it all, and I think that is what Paul is building towards in this whole sanctification mm -hmm. section. So he ends it in chapter 8 at the end with this glorious uh, truth and hope that what God has determined for us, it will happen and nothing will separate us from uh, his love as he brings that to full fruition. Yeah. So, well, you're, you had the points for our relation to God, that God is our advocate, God is our protector, God is our provider, and God is our justifier. And you made the point that who delivered up Jesus? The Father did. And 
Jesus, he was condemned to death. He satisfied the wrath of God. He took that upon himself and experienced what we deserve. And we're, we're getting what we don't deserve, which is grace and mercy and all things. And that is just such good news for us. Um, and knowing that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. Satan can't, our enemies can't. And then even uh, you brought this to the to light that we we can't even separate us. Like we can't even get in the way. Our consciences, our our own um, demise, can't even get in the way of God's purpose and good plan right. for our lives. What God has determined, He foreknew us. What He has determined, it will come to pass. Why? Because God, because God is at the center of all. It doesn't depend on us. It, he, he is the protector, the provider, the justifier, uh, the God who eternally loves us, and nothing will thwart that. So we, we have this utmost confidence with hope. We eagerly wait for this, and we have encouragement. Now, while we're awaiting this, and he will give us freely all these things, just like Christ, who will be the firstborn among the dead while we wait, now we, we go back through right. the teachings of the past. We we walk by faith. We we live according to the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can experience even now in this body of sin, just like Paul and Silas that's did, right. because that's they right. you know they weren't protected or spared from being beaten and stripped down and imprisoned, and we're not uh, protected from being spared from opposition or pain or trial or suffering, um, but. We are safe in Christ, just like mm -hmm. they were safe with Christ in prison, and they had joy. They were singing, they were praying, and I mean, totally shackled in the, the inner dwellings of this nasty prison, and they had their eyes fixed on their hope, and that hope is a relationship with a person. That's right. The person and work of Jesus Christ and his uh, his life, his death, his resurrection. And that's like, um, it's empowering. It's a spirit-filled, um, supernatural gift that we've been given that we can rejoice and give thanks and keep our eyes focused in those On the one times. who eternally loves us, yes. who personally loves yes. us and, and, and has proven that. And I, I, again, that's the, yeah, that's the perspective in life. I, we've talked in the past, it's a well-known principle. Randy Alcorn writes about it in, in a number of his books and others, Larry Crabb, but this whole principle of the dot or the line. So Paul in the prison and Silas, if that's what they focused on, it would it would have been, there was the dot of life. This is what I'm in right now. Oh, Lord, this is horrible. Blah. But he had that broader, longer perspective that reached out into eternity. And you, we have to Again, thinking Christians have to apply these principles. We have to be immersed in truth so that these things become real to us. And otherwise, we're going to be so susceptible to the lies and the deception of Satan that can produce fear and panic. And, you know, how true is that in the days in which well, we're living? It's our tendency to drift. And I think that oh, hopelessness, boy. that hopelessness, we do it to ourselves sometimes. I think a, a huge way to do it is, is take in more news than you do scripture. Yep. 
um, um, post more on Facebook than you do have a conversation over the fence in your backyard, whatever, whatever it is right now, what is trending well is fear mongering. Mm -hmm. So everybody's doing it, right? We get the clicks, we get the shares, we get the comments. It's a tactic that, that, that a lot of people, a lot of organizations are using. Here's what's wrong. And that's the irony of it is the, the world is doing a pretty good job of of diagnosing itself with its craziness, but it's not going deep to, enough to the point of sin, and it's certainly not offering a solution. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just creating further division and disunity, and that that's what we're up against. Yeah, yeah. Dis- and discouragement and yeah and discord, but despair, despair, right. I mean, utter despair. And yeah. uh, I, that's I was, why we need that higher perspective, like right. Connie Erickson taught at yeah. the beginning of the service, and she said, Psalm sixty one, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. And when Christ is your high place, you can't help but to gain a great view of life. And um, I, there was a sermon that John Piper had preached shortly after the September 11th attacks on the Twin mm. Towers, and he was highlighting uh, Lisa Beamer's words. And mm-hmm. um, so her husband, Todd, was on the Flight 93 oh, that, went the phone down, call that, yeah, 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 that went down yeah. in Pennsylvania. Right. And he was the one that said, let's roll. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, he was killed and um, left behind his wife and their three children. Um, But in light of perspective and seeing the sovereignty of God um, in her life, she says, um, God knew the terrible choices the terrorists would make and that Todd Beamer would die as a result. He knew my children would be left without a father and me without a husband, yet in his sovereignty and in his perspective on the big picture, he knew it was better to allow the events to unfold as they did rather than redirect Todd's plans to avoid death. I can't see all the reasons that he might have allowed this when I knew when I know he could have stopped it. I don't like how this, his plan looks from my, pers- from my perspective right now, but knowing that he loves me and can see the world from start to finish helps me to say it's okay. And then she also said, if we believe wholeheartedly each moment that our destiny rests in the hands of Jesus Christ, the one with ultimate love and ultimate power, what do we have to be concerned about? Of course, our humanity clouds this truth many times, but hanging on to glimpses of it keeps everything in perspective. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's someone who has... A handle, of, at least at some degree, of of a knowledge of God. Yeah, it goes back to that old A. W. Tozer quote: "What a man thinks about God is the most defining thing about them." Right, uh, you, you and know, that provides strength. That's right, and help in your time of need. And there's that. Um, that just didn't happen to her with a click of her fingers. There's, right. there's, she's, she mm-hmm. has sown into her life, you know, by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit. There, there's work to like learning there's in, and there's interceding in that. On, on her behalf. Yeah. Yes. And there's and by by the way, you just mentioned something that it, when you said this just didn't happen, you know, in a, in a moment of time before. Um, it, I, I thought of this too in way of application. I didn't share it, but we could share it now. And the, the value it's so important for parents to be building mm-hmm. these views of God into mm-hmm. your children's life. I mean, there's one thing that parents need to be doing. It's helping your kids be as kind uh, of. I think it was. I can't remember if it was Tozer or somebody said. I think it was Tozer who said to to, to be big godders. Mm. Are you a little godder or are you a big godder? I mean, 
it, it, that's what we have to, our kids have to grow up in homes where their parents are helping them see. And so that when they are 10 years old and 15 years old and 18 year olds, they said, and there's nothing God can't do. Right. Right. And that he loves me. Right. And, and yeah. there's such confidence mm -hmm. because that is what's going to, not what education they're going to get or what college they're going to go to, or did they play enough sports or do this and extracurriculars to get into the best college. Parents, wake up. <laughs> That's not what is important. It's whether your children have a big view of God. Right. Yep. That, that, that's what's going to sustain them. Yep. And, and as they continue to grow, make sure they are making prayerful decisions. Yeah. Don't, don't coach them towards anything else mm -hmm. besides a prayerful decision in Christ alone. And, and I, I, think, I think that's huge, and, and it, it speaks to the, the, you know, the movement and trajectory of life versus a moment. And I, I also just think we don't like to cling to something we don't fully understand. I think that's difficult to do, especially in times of crisis. Oh, I have to rely, God, I don't know how you're working. Okay, well, what do we know about God? Yeah. Because he's given us a lot, an abundance, more than enough <laughs> to rely on him in this situation and not let this situation define or dictate my outlook or my you know, my mood, things like that. And it, it's so hard. It's challenging now. Um, but it, even in the, the church, the country is a clear example, but even within the church, if we are deciding anything besides Christ himself as what unifies us, it'll divide us. Yeah. It definitely will. So people are, people are watching our lives, and uh, just like our children are watching our lives, mm. um, the, our neighbors are watching our lives, our family, uh, our church body. Um, back to Paul and Silas. Uh, this is chapter 16, starting in verse 25. Um, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That jumped out to me. And I was like, oh, here they are in this jail cell. And the, the other prisoners are listening and observing what's coming out of their mouths. What, how are they responding to this situation? And so that convicted me of, well, what is my life presenting? What are people hearing from me? What are people seeing from my life? And is that bringing glory to God. Mm -hmm. um, so that that little snippet right there just kind of jumped out at me, and it matters. It, it really does, does matter. It, it, that, that response of Paul and Silas was born out of a conviction. And I, going back to the Romans passage when he said, for I am convinced, it's that Greek tense of, of perfect tense that, that Paul, it was something that happened in the past, and it's got ongoing results, and it was also passive. I have been made convinced, mm. and and Paul is saying, and I and I'll never change my mind on that. I I have been made convinced. So, as we consistently go to God, we walk with Him. We we find that uh, you know He never fails us, and and life experiences. Um, we become more and more convinced. I think that. But guess what? You know what? Nothing's going to separate me from his love. I, th I think I'm finally getting that. Yeah. And yeah. and and then that is lived out, and mm -hmm. that's what people will see. Mm -hmm. It's the conviction right. that comes from who God is, but that that does not come if we're living our life uh, in a vacuum of of truth or untruth. If we're all occupied with the events of the world, if that becomes our focal point, or it, it's what Martin Luther called the profane. If we occupy ourselves with the profane 
and not the, the true spiritual, which is God himself, we will not stand right. the tests that are coming upon the church of Jesus Christ. And they're coming. They're, they're going to be coming big time, uh, so I think. So John, John 3, 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So we've, and then um, John 17, uh, let's see. In Jesus' high priestly prayer, he says, Sanctify them in truth, and your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So we've been given this commission to go into the world, just like Jesus did, and to present these words of truth. And not that it's our job to condemn the world, because that's <laughs> that's not our job, and that's not what Jesus did. But he came so that the world might be saved through yeah. him. Our job isn't even to convince the world. Right. <laughs> but, so but to live out mm -hmm. his life mm -hmm. so that they'll see Jesus. That's love on display. <clears throat> right. That's love on display. For Paul and Silas, it bore fruit. The Philippian jailer and his, and his, his household. Whole household. And, uh, yeah. you know, what, what, I guess that's the question we have to ask. What, what's and it's, it's not just it's not just this more more ethereal biblical perspective. There's an earthly perspective too. I mean, we have missionaries that are saying if we get arrested, it's a fresh set of ears to give the gospel to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's bad. I'm not trying to downplay what's happening in our own country, but we need to be ready for this stuff. And yeah, when, and, and, yeah, go ahead. Well, when he says, you know, will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, will this separate? It's Paul is not saying that stuff won't happen to you. Right. It could, just right. like you're saying. It's yeah. what some of our missionaries are going through. Yeah. So why do you think that Paul, um, starting in verse 35, he he says, "Who who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword?" And then verse 36, he's quoting from Psalm 44:22. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Why do you think Paul plucked that psalm and stuck it right there? Do you have any thoughts why, about why that? Why do you think, Alicia? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, enemy of enemy of the world. I mean, really, it, I love that Paul doesn't mince words or, or, or just... He's not, I don't know, he's not cushy or nerfy about the way he gives the scripture, and he's like, you need to be ready for some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, sufferings, I think it's, is he, is he saying, this is to be expected. You're, you are going to suffer, yeah. and you're going to suffer for my name. And to add emphasis or validity to that, he quotes scripture. Mm -hmm. But notice mm -hmm. it says, for your sake. This yeah. is happening to us. So again, there's that Godward perspective mm -hmm. in in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. But this is uh, these are God appointed. I mean, <clears throat> um, we 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 do not teach and preach a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel here at right. Fellowship Bible Church, mm -hmm. right? Because the Bible doesn't teach it. Mm -hmm. This certainly isn't teaching it. Exactly. Um, right. Bad things happen to good people, mm -hmm. but. There is a purpose and a plan, and um, if we're anchored in understand in an understanding of his character and predominantly his love, and 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 that go, went back to chapter five where we talked about hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Life will always disappoint us. Mm -hmm. it, I you know my false sense of hope. Well. I thought things were going to go well for me. 
I thought if I, you know, Larry Crabb talks about the law of linearity. If I do A, B, and C, if I, you know, I get up and read my Bible in the morning and do this and go to church, well, I'm certainly going to get D. Good things are going to happen. No, that, that the law of linearity is not taught in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I'll do A, and I can do B, and I can do C, and I can be as fervent and as godly and as squeaky clean as, uh, you know, as Billy Graham once was. And D might still happen. And D is nakedness, persecution, famine, and yeah. sword. Yeah. But in all these things, we still overwhelmingly, we're super yeah. conquerors. And that is the display before the world. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's really encouraging because it, it points us back to Jesus because he has conquered the suffering, the sin, the death. He's overcome all of that. And we have this marvelous hope. And that's why verse 7, 37 tells us that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through loved us, through him who loved us. Uh, it's not through us yeah. that we're more, it's not our own superpowers. Right. It's his superpowers. Right. It's through him uh, that we're more than conquerors. So um, it, once again, I just marvel at the supernatural spirit infused um, gift that we've been given in, in this body of flesh, you mm -hmm. know, encased in sin. We still are equipped with everything that we need for life and godliness. And um, we're never without hope. That's right. Because of this good news. Yeah. It's 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 a no-lose situation in a no-win world. Yes. The title of your <laughs> sermon. So good. I saw I saw it on uh, the, the online. I was like, he titled it that way. I was like, yes. perfect. I don't have to rename the podcast. It works <laughs> done for me. It's right there. Yeah. So that's good. good. And so let's cling to that, you know, as we move forward, you know, double doses of vaccines, God's saying, here's a daily dose of me. How are we going to to be equipped, be prepared to deal with some of this stuff? Because the world's going to offer solutions and come up with all sorts of problems day in and day out. And so how are we going to look, what are we going to look back on this and think yeah. beyond, oh, it was crazy. What um, do we say to these things? Yeah, there you yeah. go. God, there you go. Well, and you, the your final words, Pastor Mark, a few, some of your final words were, believe it, rehearse it, study it, and find joy and peace. And we can take that to the bank. <laughs> we go. sure can. There you go. Thank you guys for being here. As a reminder to all you listening and watching on YouTube and podcast services everywhere, we are each and every week uploading Tuesday evenings, late afternoon. Uh, as a reminder, you can leave a review, subscribe, find everything you need at fbcva.life, uh, and you can find us forward slash Sermon Spotlight. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. God bless. Mm -hmm.